1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au So we've all been watching uh, with great interest in regards to the Jordan Ngoi story that's unfolding Uh, At the moment, and there's obviously a lot to play out in that space, but it got me thinking the other day, and I wondered whether there might be an interest from you for us to find out about what's going on internally at a football club when issues like these arise when incidents occur with players uh, and people and how those are managed by the football clubs to make sure that all parties involved are looked after, uh, protected, uh, what are the processes for how they make the decisions based on, you know, if this is a repeat offender or if this is a first time uh, stepping um, out of line or um, how do you liaise with your stakeholders at your club and and what exactly is going on uh, behind closed doors at a Football club when clubs find themselves in a similar position that Collingwood do at the moment, so um, we're really lucky that um, a former CEO has been um, has agreed to to jump on with us and shed some light on how these types of situations are managed through um, and I suppose handled by football clubs and what how they're felt by the football clubs as well. um, To maybe draw the curtain back and give us a look inside. Carl DeLena was the CEO of North Melbourne from 2013 to 2019. He was on the board from 2008. He was a huge part of the massive turnaround of the club's fortunes, eliminating the debt, uh, posting profits, uh, Arden Street redevelopment. Uh, He also played 33 games uh, with uh, Fitzroy and North Melbourne combined. He's been good enough to jump on the line with us. Carl, hello to you and thanks for being with us.
0: Yeah, hi, Sam. Great to speak to
1: you. So we we don't need to deal in specifics and and names and and incidences, um, you know, dates and all that kind of stuff. And we're not getting you on to pass judgment on the Jordan Ngoi situation or to to think to give advice to the Collingwood Football Club, more so to draw the curtain back and take us inside how these things unfold um, at a football club. So um, when you or a member of the the leadership at a club would hear about an incident, whether it be similar to this. And again, we're not trying to bunch every incident of player misbehaviour in with this or cast aspersions on anyone or be flippant. We're just looking in overall terms uh, for, for, for those listening at the moment. When you would, when you and the club would hear about an incident like this, what's the immediate process that swings into action?
0: Yeah, thanks, Sam. The, um, Look, clubs these days are probably pretty well developed with their what we'd probably call a crisis management plan that, that kicks in in these situations. And, and let me say, look, the off-season, you know, you, the, the worst fear for the CEO is getting a, a call at 3 o'clock in the morning about something going wrong, and it it, it happens more than more than you'd like it to. Um, but the, the good thing is the, the AFL and the AFL clubs are quite well prepared for it, and, and, and your first step, is generally to to get the parties together you know be the player the player manager uh the police if they're involved um and and probably your lawyers or their lawyers and and really to understand what actually happened because that's you usually there's media there's social media there's gossip there's innuendo um and you and you really need to get down to the bottom of what actually happened. Um, and that would be interviewing the player, in, interviewing any other people that were involved with it. Uh, in some cases, you might be provided, or the police might provide CCTV footage, which might back up a version of events. Um, you, you get their statement as to what they're thinking has happened. Um, and so that first step is really trying to understand what actually happened, because uh, that, that's often one of the most difficult parts of the process. Um, There'll be vague recollections. If there's been alcohol involved, uh, sometimes they won't uh, have a great recollection of what what went on. So that's really the the first bit and understanding who's impacted by it. Uh, Are there other parties involved that have been impacted that might need to be contacted? Because I think you've got that duty of care, as you suggest, that it's not only the player themselves, it might be their family, it might be friends, it might be um yeah alleged victims of, of anything that might have occurred so that that's probably step number 1 um is quite critical it's a big and first step that, Carl. That that, there's big, a lot that big, in that big, first big, step
1: sorry sorry didn't there's a lot in that first step i was saying you've said that's step 1 that's that's quite immense isn't it
0: yeah and that might be mayhem for a week trying to get to the bottom of all of that uh as you sort out um you know uh, reality from from rumour um and it's it's not that easy sometimes um and there's a whole there's a cast of thousands involved in that um all, all the players their representatives their agents maybe family um at the afl you have you liaise with their integrity department who'll conduct their own review We speak with the afl executive team as well so even in that initial phase there's there's just constant phone calls and dialogue because so many people are trying to get to the bottom of what actually happened
1: How much more difficult is it for you? And we'll find out about who sort of takes point on all this uh, and and then how that all works in just a moment. But how much more difficult are these situations made when, for instance, like the Collingwood situation, we, you, find out with a journo calling you to say, would you care to comment?
0: Yeah, that, that, (laughs) and that, yes, I've, I've had that. Don't you worry, I've had that situation. Uh, and, and it is a rude shock because you caught totally off guard. Um, and so you, you obviously can't make any comment at that stage. And, and you do have to spend that process of getting through and, and understanding it. And and then you might be very constrained in what you can and can't say. Um, and I think the media understands that a bit now, But if there's a police action involved, uh, the club will usually put, out, put out a holding statement to say that it's in the hands of the police so we can't comment any further and that's that's the legal advice we get in those situations um, in some cases you might explain what you're doing with the player or how you're supporting them or whether they're going to be at the club or not um, and a lot of times you keep them away from the club because you don't want them hounded by the media every time they come to the club so they might be you know, just uh, kept at home or, or do separate training uh, if they're still doing that um, so that, that's quite often the case. It's very challenging if, if it starts in the media.
1: Whose responsibility is it at a football club? Is it yours as the CEO that you take the lead? on on this and then you are the liaison for all points whether it be to the the president and the board then back to the coach and then through to the afl and then to as you say the lawyers that could be involved the other parties that could be uh, involved handle the media um, uh, uh, requests and things like that who is it the ceo in these situations it does take point um you
0: you'd certainly take responsibility for the the overall process and the running of it uh, but you wouldn't necessarily be the, the contact point for everything. That would just be impossible. So, um, you yeah, know, the football department, the head of football might be liaising with the player agent and, and family, or you might have your welfare officer, player welfare officer involved in that as well. Um, your media and comms, uh, head of media and comms, will be handling all the uh, media statements and interaction with all the media inquiries that we're coming in. Um, yeah, at my level... I'd be dealing with the AFL. I'd be dealing with our board. Um, in some cases, you're probably speaking to your major sponsors because a lot of them have got contracts uh, that have, have a clause in there that they can get out if there's um, you know, goodwill or brand damage. So if there's something really serious that might impact their reputation, uh, you need to be a liaising with them as well, um, and then also trying to communicate with your members as, as best you can in that situation as well.
1: Speaking to Carl Delina on the Sporting Capital, former North Melbourne CEO, and we're finding out um, what goes on inside football clubs when um, reports break or incidents occur with players uh, and and public when charges are brought or, or situations uh, arise. And we're doing it off the back of Jordan De but we're not talking specifically about uh, Jordan De Goey. It's more. About about the curtain being brought back and finding out what the process is in moments like these. So, Carl, one of the things that that the, the footy public or the general public will always throw because we all watched, uh, or you might have gone and seen the play, but we all watched the, the Dave Williamson movie, The Club, and, you know, we all know that, that, that or people believe how things might have been done back in the day, but as you say, it's done very differently now. The first thing that would get thrown up to someone like you as a naysayer is, oh, all you guys do is try to sweep it under the carpet. What, what do you what how do you respond to to that being a, a line that gets thrown up every time something like this would come up? It, it, it's
0: probably a pretty valid question. Um, look I, I think the, the preference certainly with a club if, if some matter did come up and then let's say it's a case of a uh, a player getting in trouble at a bar and there's a there's some altercation. I mean you would prefer as a club. For that to not be all over the media, because it creates a whole lot of mayhem, uh, it creates concerns for the player uh, and other people involved so if you can manage that without that getting out you you would certainly try to do that because yeah, any other employee in the world can go out and have a few drinks and get in a bit of strife, and it 's not splashed all over the papers or doesn't cause any concerns in the workplace so as long as there's nothing you know illegal involved or you know something of real concern. Generally, you try to manage it in-house. That's very difficult these days with social media and everything else that goes on. So it's it's a bit of a challenge. So you've got to be prepared for the fact that anything is going to get out of the media. Um, but that that's really more the minor offences. If it's something more serious, you don't try to hide behind the cloak anymore. I think you've just got to accept the fact that things are going to get into the media and you've got to manage it as best you can.
1: So for instance I mean the, the 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 most recent example of that would have been probably the New Zealand Warriors when they had the player uh, caught um and and I think caught with a a white substance, and they got straight out in front and said, "This is what it was, this is what happened, this is what we're doing about it, and that has seemed to be the end of it. Is that the kind of situation that you you're talking about that you don't hide it anymore you you step you lean into it almost.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty good example. The 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 way we would talk about it is, um, yeah, getting ahead of the story. Mm. Um, because if you can take take all the fuel out of the story, then it just loses steam as a as a news article. And that's there's nothing sinister in that. It's just saying, well, here's the facts as we know it. This mm. is what we've done, and that's the end of the story. Um, and we're not going to comment further. If if you can if you can clarify it. And, and say, there's, we're just not going to take this any further, then the steam can go out of it. Um, now, if there's ongoing stuff, like if it's police, there's a court case, obviously you can't just you know disappear. It's just going to keep rolling. But you, you're not commenting every day to the media because you can't. When it's a police matter or a court matter, you, you, your hands are tied. You just really can't comment on it.
1: So, Carl, w- w- when it comes to the players... So we, it, it's a line we throw up a lot, and I've used it plenty of times when we're, when we're talking about certain things, no matter what they are, of a broad range of issues. But we often do bring up, well, the players get more education on this, 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 or this than anybody. What exactly does go in, in terms of player education um, in and around their, the way in which they engage when they're out socially, publicly, um, and, 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 on, on, and on what matters most specifically are players mainly educated about
0: yeah, there, there there is a massive amount of education that occurs across a range of levels, you know, at club level, AFL level, uh, players' association. Yeah, that ranges from things like yeah you know, how how to be respectful of people and and, and females to illicit drug use um, to just common behaviour. Um, and 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 really, the challenge is you've got a a, a group of um, you know, young testosterone-filled men uh, who may not have been drinking much during the year. And, they, and when they when they let loose, it, it can be challenging, um, particularly when they're out of the club environment. If they're going out as a group of players, usually there's a lot of self-control. But when they go home with their old mates, it, it, you know, they might fall into old habits. So, you know, you, you have to rely on the playing group and the coaching group developing a culture within that playing group um to really respect themselves as elite athletes a- and that's what we used to do at north you know it's about the fact that yeah, you know, respect what you're doing you- you're an elite athlete you're not just a local footballer you need to live the life of an elite athlete now that works with a lot of the players some you're never going to convince of that and they'll-, they'll just have a good time when they want to so you you, you can get the majority but there's always going to be the outliers that can cause cause some issues
1: so, um, when it comes to you mention sponsors, um, partnerships, members, it can sometimes be a throwaway line. Of you know, people say, oh, "I'll team a membership up, and I won't come back from this." Do you, do, do clubs find, um, and you'd have conversations with other CEOs all the time? Is there a more um, significant correlation between unsavoury incidences? And and I'm using that word because I'm not trying to overplay or underplay. I think people know that we're we're, you know, this is a broad chat. But is there a correlation between things like that happening and membership drops or sponsor um draw uh, pullback?
0: Um look I I think
1: um it, it's a
0: difficult question to answer, but I mean in, in my experience um we sort of isolated instances where there might be some poor behaviour I think people are pretty understanding. You know, sponsors that I've spoken to over the journey are pretty understanding that things will go wrong and it's a bit out of your control. Um, I think it's more if there's seen to be a culture of it happening and there's a lot of repeat offences in a particular organisation. That's when then questions probably get asked more than than just the isolated
1: incident. And, Carl, when it comes to some players or, or if you're going to recruit some players and um and, we, and again not going into specifics but you guys almost recruited you, you know you almost had jordan to go so when you look at um when you're looking at some certain players either to 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 recontract or to bring a player in were you a believer that uh behavioral clauses in contracts um are effective or can they often create other problems down the back end because that's another one that we ask well you know why don't clubs put players more at more behavioral clauses in contracts Uh, yeah
0: yeah that uh, it's a good point and it's a really difficult area Mm. Uh, and it's something i encountered early days when i was at north um, with the interpretation of contracts and what people need to understand is there's is standard AFL contracts. Right? So yeah, you, it's you've got a collective bargaining agreement with the players' association. Is standard contracts which everyone signs up to. Um, th- there are some clauses in there about your behaviour and reputation, etc. But but early days, I remember having a real argument with the players' association, um, where they took the view that anything off field or outside of the workplace didn't count towards that. Uh, because it wasn't the you know in the place of employment, if you like. Um, so that made it really challenging. So if you do have a repeat offender, you're probably having to have a separate agreement with them or undertaking with them. It's almost like a two or three strikes policy where it's very clear between the player, their 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 player manager and yourself as to what what could happen if if there's further breaches. But it's it's very very difficult contractually. Otherwise,
1: Carl, what what goes into deciding on whether or not to give a player a second chance? How, how much you know? What are the factors that that would, in general terms, would you be considering when you decide? Okay, well this 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 week we don't tolerate this, but do we continue on with you? Because the, the, again, some of the the more sceptical uh, members of the footy public would say. Well, they just get chance after chance after chance after chance, and it never matters what you know. That's that's some of the negativity that that's. Well, I shouldn't say but that's some of the view that gets brought to the table. So, what actually goes into making those calls?
0: Yeah, look, it's it's quite um, quite detailed, I think, with the, with the coaches and playing group particularly, because there'll be a view amongst the players whether they uh, value that person's input more than um, the downside that goes with their character. Um, uh, but I think as, as we've gone over the years with footy clubs, there's been a much bigger focus on culture and character within the playing group. So I think you know, as soon as you're getting pushback from the playing group about the way a, a particular player might be behaving or the, the coach or the footy staff are getting a bit of a sense for that, that that's when it sort of comes to a bit of a head uh, and, and that would be flagged. In terms of when their contract comes up for renewal, whether we're going to actually proceed with it, and and, and I know there's been instances, you know, in, in my time where we've decided to let players go because we just didn't want to necessarily continue down that path. Um, where it becomes really difficult is when the player is a superstar, I think, and and that's where I think views get blurred or opinions get a little bit blurred in terms of. If you wanted to make the right decision, you might say we should let them go. But there's all these other pressures that come with it. You know, the pressure to win games, the pressure to be successful as a club that might have to be taken into account that can can sway the decisions. And um, even what might seem right, the right decision might get overruled up the chain a little bit because of other broader reasons.
1: Well, we well, I think we could do about another twenty minutes on that uh, and that alone, but uh, we've we've had you for a fair bit of time, and and I and I can't thank you enough for the insight you've given us. And what it sounds like is that the game has come a really long way in getting that balance right that you've just spoken about, so that fans and and, and the public can be confident that the the right decisions are being made for the right reasons.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's right. I, I think it, it's like chalk and cheese comparing it to the. The the old days and the way things used to happen. Uh, it's a very professional league these days, I, I, in my opinion.
1: Carl, what are you doing with yourself these days, please? Since you, I mean you finished up at North Melbourne in 2019, uh, what is the life of Carl Delina now?
0: Yeah, well, apart from surviving COVID and you know trying to survive lockdown for a while, um, I, I've, I've been sort of actively involved in a a company actually developed, uh, you know, actually put together when I was at North Melbourne. And we spun it out as an idea to to generate money for North Melbourne into the future. But it's a, a sports technology business um, involved with injury prevention, measures a whole range of muscle groups with some pressure gauges and equipment, and then uh, a software platform that gives real-time results and it's a really handy tool. We developed at North for helping uh, uh, training loads for players that might have injuries. So we've been progressing that overseas particularly in recent times with things opening up after to COVID, uh, selling into the EPL, the Major League Baseball, the NBA in the US, some really big markets. So it's it starting to take off now and, um, you know, it should have a really bright future the way things are going. Uh,
1: that's extraordinary. Well, congratulations on, on that success. What's it called? Uh, it's called
0: Kangatech and you can sort of guess the the link there with North Melbourne. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been around for a few years now and, uh Looking forward to progressing it
1: into the future. I can't wait to follow that. Hey, Carl, thanks so much. It's not an easy one um, to, to, to work through, but I just thought it would be really interesting to get an insight into what actually goes on when situations like this uh, occur in football. Uh, and I thank you for, for taking us uh, behind uh, those closed doors and, and giving us a, a look at what it is that goes into it when these things do happen. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, no problems at all. I hope it was uh, some help for, for you and your listeners.
1: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91